This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. If you want to stay in the know about everything that's happening in Portsmouth, from news to culture to food, of course sport and Pompey, take out an online subscription with the Portsmouth News website today at Portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Not only do you get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting, but with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app, you get all the Portsmouth you need. Our trial offer starts at just £1 a month for the first three months. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen to give you the inside track on the latest events at Fratton Park. On this week's show... As the feel-good factor continues, we look at is fan power the real reason behind Kenny Jackett's switch to a 4-4-2 formation? What are the other reasons for the upturn in results? And as Ronan Curtis talks of a confidence crisis after his return to form, we look at the Irishman's importance in the games coming ahead. Is Ryan Williams the new Pompey unsung hero? And could Michael Appleton one day be back at Pompey? You can now download our podcast on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest Pompey Talk. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen in a two-pronged assault today. Um, Very lonely back after a period of paternity and everyone jumped ship it seems Neil but we're crack on regardless uh, obviously you're the man in the know so uh, and we've, we've, we've very sobering news you just uh, brought to us about Bobby Ball's death gutted really yeah he's, he's passed away through coronavirus apparently um, we, we've lost him and Eddie Large in the same year this, this is desperate times this may, this may be lost on a, on, on a large part of our demographic but if you grew up in the 80s then you, you would be <laughs> Rock, rock all, yeah, Bobby Ball also more recent times was played the, the dad on not going out and um, uh, played it brilliantly as well. So yeah, it's very sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, big part of our big part of our youth, isn't it? A Saturday tea time affair, but um, mm. worth worth a non. I, I, I wouldn't so actually. I did see, wouldn't see Cannon Ball at Butlins. That's that's their kind of uh, domain, I would suggest yeah. in recent years, isn't it? Yeah, in the mid nineties. Did it bring a sort of warmth and uh, harping back to those housing days in the 80s? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he still had the braces, you know, rock on Tommy. Rock on Tommy, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, worth that non-pompy start, but we'll switch to blues <laughs> straight, straight away. Um, yeah, I've, I've been out of the picture for a couple of weeks and it's pretty much coincided with a massive upturn in fortunes, uh, continuing with... Uh, a third of an excellent period of wins in the, in the past few days. He's turned it around. and He has a habit of that. He turned it around unbelievably well last season uh, after an awful start, terrible start. And um, he's done that in the last three games. And um, obviously, we're, we're going to try to look into what he's changed. But um, for me, and we, we commented about it last week and I've written about it, the reaction to defeat Doncaster by the players said a lot. 
Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a re- the way they bounced back at Gillingham, put that performance at Gillingham, and subsequent other wins. It was that Gillingham said a lot. It, it showed they were behind the manager. It showed they were together because, and as I pointed out as well, Jacket doesn't lose successive games in a row. Mm. I mean, there has been, a, you know, it has been during his time, but largely he, that doesn't happen. One defeat, they bounce back. Uh, and it's now been something like 78 games since the last time Pompey had consecutive league defeats. So it shows that it's not a bad side, but also that there's a determination about them, isn't there? There's mm. a resilience. And also, they've not thrown in the towel or in terms of uh, the team or in terms of their backing for the manager. And from Gillingham onwards, they picked up some great results. Mm. Well, let's pick up on that then, because uh, it's been suggested and, and there's been noises that when, when we speak to, to people around the club about Pompey potentially needing to, re- Kenny Jackett needing to repair fractures in the dressing room in the summer after the disappointments and people being having their nose out of joint. But it seems that there's certainly, with this smaller, tighter-knit group, that um, everyone's pulling in the same direction. Yeah, he had a difficult job because of the way um, he makes his decisions. For example, Craig McGilvery in January, um, replaced by Bass. Which suddenly, mm-hmm. you put Craig McGilvery's nose out of joint, and McGilvery did nothing wrong at all to deserve being dropped. It's just that Jacket had the, the gut feeling that the Bass was the better keeper at that time. You've also got the, the situation with, with Tom Naylor as his captain, dropping him from the playoffs. Again, putting a player's nose out of joint, no one would have said Naylor deserved dropping from the playoffs. So you put another nose out of joint, you've disillusioned another player, uh, and Jack is not afraid to make big decisions like that. Mm. There's, no, there's no emotion from him. He, he sees things black and white. That's a decision. He doesn't take into account a player's feelings necessarily. He does it for the good of the team to win games. And that's going to cause problems, isn't it, to, to players who are jettisoned from the team. So mm-hmm. whether you're Craig McGilvery, Tom Naylor, Ben Close to an extent, but Ben's, um, Ben's not one to cause trouble let's, at all, is no, he? No. You know, those guys will feel gutted, and naturally so. Um, but again, McGilvery's back in the team, Naylor's back in the team, both key players again. And um, it, 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 Marquis is back in the team as well. Uh, who's a powerful figure around the place. And suddenly, the dynamics change, isn't it? And they're winning games, they're playing good football, and, we were going to say this a few weeks ago, they're scoring goals. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let, well, let's, let's touch, touch on that now, because the, I'm a little bit off the pace. It's around the Burton game, where the, the, the mooted formation change was came up, and to my mind, it didn't look like a 4-4-2 that day. It looked like Marcus Harness was deeper. But then in the cons- you know, the, the games that have fired on from there, it's become much more apparent that Harness has, has been a second striker almost you know, in, in advance of Marcus a lot of the time. So is it, is it, 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 would it be as, as simple to say as a formation change? Because a lot of supporters are saying that. Or is it a, a more complex issue, um, what has been behind the upturn in results? Uh, it's more than that, but it's primarily that, let's say. So, mm. good point about, about Burton. No one thought it was a 4-4-2 at Burton whatsoever. We mm. thought it was Harness in the number 10 role. Uh, Joe Gallon spoke ahead of the next game, which was MK Dons, about how probably going to 4-4-2. And suddenly everyone 
well, okay, four four two, all right. So it turns out Harness was playing as an attack. Um, it went four four two for one half against MK Dons, changed it to a back three in that win, then went to four two three one in the in the league game against Doncaster and lost, and then reverted back to the four four two at Chillingham. Now I've had various people contact me on Twitter saying he's not playing two up front. Well, he is. In, in football, you don't necessarily get two strikers playing alongside each other. No. Um, a, fine, a fine example would be Walsh and Whittingham all those years ago. Um, obviously, Walsh was more mobile than Whittingham and, and, and operated around him. They weren't, strikers don't stand next to each other going, this is the two. <laughs> they move around. And, and, and Harness is the mobility in that respect. Harness has more freedom than Marquis. Uh, if you watch them on occasions, Harness does go beyond Marquis trying mm. to get the ball as well. So that's the system, the 4-4-2. Although, second half against um, Northampton, they did revert to the 4-2-3-1. But the game was really gone by that stage as well. Pompey had the win. But they, they did try to do that. Chuckett explained to get Harness in the game. So he's actually showing more system changes in games at the moment. Um, the other day as well against... Um, was it Sunderland, I think it was, yeah. Mm. Nice and he brought some, didn't he? Play with the back three uh, in the final few minutes as well. So he's shown that during games, but it's primarily a, a 4 4 2. But, I mean, we'll go into the next stage here. He's also brought back Marquis, Marquis in the role he should be playing, and Cannon and Williams. Let's not forget those three players. They've all come to the team and made really good impacts uh, this early on in the 4 4 2. Yeah. Okay, John Marcus thriving now. Um, a hundred league goals has, um, brought up for him, and this this excellent run at, run that he's on at the moment. So, how's he gone from the man that was labouring at times last season, in and in, in a formation which was asking for him to perhaps do things that wasn't suited, which is probably half the answer to the man that now, even from the start of the season, again, really not contributing to to this fine, fine run of form that he's all of a sudden on. It's incredible how a system change can benefit a particular player, isn't it, really? Mm-hmm. Um, he only got the team at Gillingham because Hart, um, uh, Harrison was injured. Oh, someone's ringing me on the phone here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's the only reason why he was in the team. And it, it just benefits him more. We've all said it, everyone knows it. He doesn't work as the lone striker. He doesn't win the ball in the air. He struggles to, re- to retain possession. He struggles to link up play. That's not his game. And he struggled. Simple as that. He's not been the player we thought he was. Uh, he's not impressed for consistently, let's say. However, suddenly, with a two, with somebody playing around him, it's, it's released him, isn't it? Five goals in three games. He looks a far better player. Um, I've given him man of the match the last two games. Mm-hmm. I think the Northampton one are a lot of contenders and two goals. But he looks a different player. Uh, and it's not a surprise to us because we've all said he's not a lone striker. It does Suddenly, his confidence is back and he's scoring goals um, in the box, which is his strength. And, and the type of goals that are... John Marcus goals. Some people might call them scabby goals. You know, the, 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 the deflections, the bouncing up off the, off the knee. But it's funny the amount of scabby goals that John Marcus scores. It's too much almost to be a coincidence. 
Yeah, well, I said it, I said it the other day to you in the press box. Someone like Ryan Williams, he doesn't score many goals, but he's quite an unlucky in the respect of he doesn't get scabby goals. It won't bounce off him. The other day, he had that shot that was pushed out and hit Marcus on the knee and hit the defender and went in. You know, uh, Williams is is not a goal scorer because it just doesn't happen for him in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Whereas Marcus, it does. If he's in that that penalty area, if he's in that six yard box. With his movement, desire, vision, or whatever, look, he could get on the end of him and nudge them home. That doesn't happen for Williams. Um, we've seen Harness is more uh, is a better goal scorer than Williams, but he yeah. tends to score some crackers as well, doesn't he, Harness? Mm. Um, but but Marcus is that sort of player who just gets them. Um, Pittman was that sort of player, although I would argue Pittman uh, had a more varied. Uh, Goals, yeah, really. Yeah, he'd score good goals, wasn't he? He would score good goals, exactly. as well. but it, but he also could get the scruffy ones. But mm. we see Marcus. He just that that, that goal when um, uh, the second goal the other night against Northampton, when there's a great save from the keeper from Curtis's header, and it and Marcus just appeared from nowhere to squeeze it home at the near post. Uh, and mm. so it, that's what he does so well. Um, and he's been released and allowed to do that now in this new system. Yeah, just touched on Ryan Williams there. I thought he, he pushed hard for, for man the match status on, on Tuesday, despite not getting that goal. Uh, spoke to the press after the game. Um, he's, again, something that we've picked up on and spoke on the, on the press box. Uh, and he's, Ryan was certainly aware of it himself. Uh, the, the league games that Ryan starts, Pompey win four games now. How important, particularly in this formation switch to 4-4-2, is Ryan Williams' goals or, or no goals um, in, in almost being what you would call a Kenny Jacket kind of winger? Yeah, it's changed. The Kenny Jacket kind of wingers we see normally in the 4-2-3-1, haven't we? Mm. Um, but in the 4-4-2, Williams, it, his energy is, is superb. He's got great energy levels. Um, he's very dynamic. He gets back to help out the fullback more than Harness would do on the right wing, um, and he just he just never stops, does he? He puts balls in. Um, he's got a bit of skill about him as well, and a bit a little bit of pace. He tries to get to the byline. So he, he, he say he's a dynamic player for Pompey, and um, and you need that, don't you, at times as well. And mm. but he's, he's a team man, and I, th- I think he said to you that it doesn't bother him not scoring goals. No. Um, whereas it would bother people like Marquis, uh, Curtis, I imagine, as well. Um, Two good examples. In that respect, yeah, in that respect of they want goals, they do get goals. And briefly, Curtis's goal record for Pompey is phenomenal but mm. from, from the wing. But going back to Williams, um, he, he's a big, big team player. Lovely lad. Really, one of the nicest lads in the squad as well, Ryan. And um, he, he's a big team player. He'll put a big shift in him. And uh, as long as he assists people and helps people out, as, he, as you wrote, he's not fussed about scoring goals. No. Well, a lot, a lot of talk about formation. But a theme that we'll also be picking up on uh, today within that is um, Kenny Jacket talking about an evolve, evolving Pompey game in terms of um, a more expansive uh, manner of playing. He, he's admitted that that has changed um, in a story that we're doing at Portsmouth.co.uk today. Um, referencing needing to be more progressive through the thirds. Now, um, it's a big talking point, isn't it? Kenny Jacket labelled as a long ball manager throughout his career. Um, a lot of pressure or anger from fans saying he's a long ball manager. 
And mm. I expect there's a lot of fans that would like to take credit for, say, you know, this, this change taking place. But it's definitely, there definitely has been, for whatever reason, a change, hasn't there, uh, to a more passing game, uh, progressive game, changing personnel, uh, you know, with Andy, Andy Cannon prominent within that. Yeah, but it's been going on for a while. Obviously, the 2018-19 season, when you had Hawkins as a fulcrum in the side, wasn't it? He was a figurehead, the totem as such. Um, mm. And the easy option for anyone in that team is to pump the ball forward. You know, anyone that's played football would tell you, if you've got a big man up front, you might want to not put the ball forward, but sometimes out of emergency, you'll do it. It's the easy option, the quick option, the simple option, and you become more direct. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with him not in the team these days, um, Pompey play a different way completely, don't they? It's not as direct. Um, it's been like that last year as well. And again, without Harrison on the side, who's a more mobile Ollie Hawkins, really, uh, holds the ball up well, wins it excellently in the air, but he's not there as well at the moment. And you're not going to pull, pump the ball forward to, to Marquis, are you? Because he doesn't it's going to come headers. back very quickly, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't win headers. He'll back into the defender trying to win a foul. <laughs> Normally doesn't work. So uh, players have to adapt, don't they, to different strikers. Um, similarly, if you've got Harness up front with him as well, you're not going to pump the ball forward, are you? So Pompey are playing a different way. They've, they've, they've evolved. Um, they're playing better football than last season. Um, and it was interesting against Northampton. They were very patient knock the ball around. You could criticise the final ball in the box, but they are trying quick one-twos because you've got Harness up there as well. So it, it has changed and it, and it has been better in the last few games in particular. And let's mm. not forget Burton away was, was an excellent performance as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Jackett's quotes, you, you, you've kind of nailed it there. He, he say, says in those quotes that he feels that formations are sometimes overrated and that it's actually personnel-driven for him, um, what's brought about the change, are you referencing Marcus? He talks about partnerships, Marcus Harness, John Marcus, uh, the fullbacks and the wingers de- developing partnerships and that, that being another factor. Again, Andy Cannon with Tom Naylor. Um, he's never going to say it, it's down to external pressure. Of course he's not. I, I guess supporters would like to think that's the case. Do you think so or not? <laughs> Kenny's not influenced by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody at all. And if people think that Kenny Jackett is influenced by the crowd, they are talking absolute nonsense. <laughs> there are managers of Pompey that have been influenced by the crowd, that um, were intimidated by the crowd. Um, even, there's even examples, and not quite the case, but I remember Michael Afton would always say he would bring on Ashley Harris because it would lift the crowd. It would change the atmosphere. Um, Jackie doesn't think like that. He's got incredible tunnel vision. He doesn't think he doesn't get involved in the in the emotional side of everything like that. It, it, if he was worried about the crowd things, he, he wouldn't have dropped Naylor for the semi-finals, the playoffs, or, or right. whatever. Exactly. He wouldn't have put Brim Morris in. Uh, he would have called back um, Pittman from his exile, mm. from training in a parking pool. You know, if he was worried about what people think, he doesn't worry about what people think. Naturally, he's had to change things because things haven't been going well. That's mm. why he's done it. The <clears throat> um, team Pompey haven't looked like scoring early on in the season. Well, they've struggled to beat sides. 
he needed to change things. And as ever, managers fumble around, changing formations, changing systems, changing personnel until they get it right. And at the moment, it looks like he's got it right. But that's mm-hmm. not down to crowd not in the stadium demanding 4-4-2. He doesn't know that. He doesn't go message boards. He doesn't <laughs> lurk on Twitter. He has no idea what the crowd wants system-wise because they're not there. No. This, is, <clears throat> this is Kenny Jacket we're talking about. Yeah. Um, um, he's an experienced manager and he won't be, he won't be drawn into doing knee-jerk reactions on what the crowd might think. No, no, he knows his own mind. One, this wasn't a response to fan pressure, by the way, but the one person I do remember changing to 4-4-2, which is what the fans were demanding, was Paul Cook. I think it was one of the, they, that horrible Exeter game um, a few years back. And, mm. and then the post-match interview, it was when the result didn't go Pompey's way, it was careful what you wish for. Uh, it was almost done out of, it was, it was, in Paul, Paul Cook's way. It was done out of spite rather than, it was like, you want 4-4-2? There you go. You can have 4-4-2 and this is what it's going to happen. I'm going to go back. And now I'm going to go back to my way and show you that my way is the right, right way. So I think you used the word emotional to say that Kenny Jackett's not an emotional manager. That was Paul no. Cook, who wasn't the most emotional manager <laughs> during the polar opposite, which uh, I remember. Kenny Jacket, they're, they're not, they're, they couldn't be more different. And as you say, Kenny knows what he wants, and uh, that would certainly not not be his way. So yeah, I think I think fan power. You never know, but I, I would, yeah, I don't think so. I think you now nailed it on that one. Um, but one person who uh, has been stepping up in this week and, and needed to step up is Ronan Curtis, isn't it, Neil? Um, in the absence of Michael Jacobs, which we kind of would have felt it would be a big absence given his growing influence, but Ronan needed to step up uh, and certainly did on Tuesday night. He did. Uh, somebody tweeted me the other day actually saying, oh, Pompey needs to drop Ronan Curtis from the side because he doesn't do a lot. And I, I don't get that because for me, Ronan Curtis has been one of the outstanding players since it's for Pompey since mm-hmm. he's been here. Um, how he's adjusted to the English game from Ireland. His, his goal record it goes up every year. Um, uh, I think he's got has he got thirty goals from the wing now as well for Pompey. Um, Double figures, isn't it? Every every season. I, I think he's got. He might, he might have thirty in total. I don't know, but I think yeah. it's around that figure. Um, and from my memory, only one hasn't come from open play, and that was a free kick at Lincoln. Yeah. Well, that, that's at the top of my head. So, yeah. what a goal presence he's been. His assists as well. His energy. Uh, his, his enthusiasm, his work rate. He's been a, a hell of a good player for Pompey. Um, and in, in, in some ways, it's unfortunate to have been jettisoned from the team with Jacobs coming in. But it just adds to the competition. And suddenly, Pompey got great options up there when they're all fit. Um, but Curtis, he's not been at his best this season. He, he'll admit that. He knows that. Marie Curtis would definitely have told him that as well. Um, uh, we could see that. Uh, but you always know with Ronan Curtis, he'll give you everything and he'll be back. He'll come back. And he wasn't having the finest of games the other night against Northampton for me. But what a finish for that uh, that third goal for Pompey. You know, excellent fit. Precision bottom corner. What a finish that was. And also his header that was saved in, in the build-up to the second goal. So um, that's what he gives you. He's an excellent player at this level with potential to go the league higher. Yeah. And um, and he comes into the team and, you know, that's not a loss, is it? Ronan Curtis coming into the team, even though Michael Jacobs on his form um, is the blow being injured. 
Yeah, that that that's four to six weeks, uh, Michael Jacobs, um, which is a blow because he was finding his feet. Um, and I think Jacobs is proven, um, at least promotions at this level, isn't it? One criticism perhaps of Ronan in his time at Pompey is that he hasn't stepped up en- enough in the big games. Um, I, can, I had a quick look back, trying to, I remember him scoring against Sunderland in his first season when they came around December time. And I think he scored the winner against Ipswich. And you mentioned the free kick at Lincoln. Not always stepping up in the in, in in the big games is that is that a valid criticism of Ronan? I think it is. I, you, you look back at someone like Gareth Evans, and you look back at the Checker Trade Trophy final. And I know, I know Curtis had gone into that into that game. I can understand Jacket starting him as well. Mm. Um, I can I know that he went to that game. Obviously, he had that finger when he nearly lost the tip of his finger, didn't he? Yeah. And couldn't train for a bit, then came back, and he, it wasn't ideal preparation. And he wasn't really on it that day, Curtis, at all. And Evans, for me, was a big game player. And when he came on that day, he turned that match, was man of the match. I disagree with the TV making Clark man of the match. I thought it was Evans. Yeah. And he did that. So, Notts County, Evans scored. When probably got promotion from the penalty spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheltenham. Goal. Evans scored. Yeah. It, 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 he 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 was a big game player, Evans, wasn't he? And Curtis hasn't got to that stage yet, has he? Um, low low big game player, low Wembley, Notts County, you know, and Low could do that as well, couldn't he? As well, mm-hmm. but Curtis yeah. hasn't quite got to that stage, but he still scored a phenomenal amount of goals, and um, uh, he's he's growing, isn't he? And he, he he does have to have these dips. Start last year, he had dips as well uh, for different reasons. Um, and he came through superbly. I mean, what response after being dropped in the uh, start of last season? Yeah. Um, he went on a phenomenal scoring rate, didn't he? Mm. Um, and you back him to do the same because it's Curtis. He, he can be a little bit erratic at times, but when he's on it, he, he's one of the finest left wingers in this division. Yeah, talking with honesty about um, how his confidence was affected, and um, you know, it was, it was, there was some humility about his when he spoke after the game um, on Tuesday. You wouldn't always associate with Ronan necessarily, but it's easy to forget he's also what, 24. Um, so you know, there's a, there's a there's a long way to go. But if he is going to well, step you, up, you, then you, uh, well, you came with a good point about his humility and and about confidence because him and John Marquis are confident characters, aren't they? Mm, yeah. They believe in their own bit. They're very confident characters. But perhaps we don't recognise that, that even confident characters can lose confidence. Confidence, yeah. Brilliant point. In, Brilliant. in football, can't they? Yeah. Um, you know, they both will think they deserve to be in the team and, and can make a hell of a difference when they are on the team. And we're seeing that. But, but players do go through confidence crisis, even though they have immense self-belief. And those two in particular have been through that. Yeah. Well, with Ronan on, on, on Tuesday, I asked him how, what, what was the reason? And he came back to confidence, but he then went on to kind of talk about how he, he was sat on the bench and, try, you know, in games thinking, well, what have I got to do to do, you know, get back in the team? And then he, he was going home and watching his games back, analysing his games. And he said, well, actually, I'm very, I feel as fit as I ever have. So it can't, it's not my fitness letting me down at the minute. Um, no. It, uh, he said, "There's bits and pieces in the game." And he's like, "Why am I taking that extra touch and uh, you know doing things?" And he, he, he was quite—he was agonising over it. And 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 the positive from a supporter's or journalist's point of view was the fact that I suppose he was taking the time 
to really care about his game and how he was performing for Pompey. And that, 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 that's a positive that he cared enough and to try and really work to get to the bottom. And um, I mean, he was hopeful. He's like, okay, now I've got this goal and he was bullish afterwards. And you, you, you really do hope that it, it um, does pick up for Ronan and, and for Pompey's sake with Michael Jacobs out and some big games coming up, which we, we should really just briefly talk about. We really do need him to step up. Yeah, you can never accuse Ronan Curtis of not caring, could you? He puts mm. everything in and when he's going through a bad spell, again, like last year, I think it was Bolton at home, wasn't he? Um, you could see him getting frustrated with himself and, and he began to play even worse at that stage. He'd lost his head completely. Um, and then he was substituted. There was a sarcastic applause from fans and cheers, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he reacted on social media that night, um, which perhaps he shouldn't have done. But to me, it just shows he cares. It shows a passion inside the guy who wants to do well. And he, he always bounces back, Ronan. He's, uh, he's an intriguing character on and off the pitch, isn't he? But, okay. uh, but when he's on it, he sees superb. Yeah. So how many points is a good return from the next two games? Oh, that's a question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this keep well, Keep it going. Just keep things ticking over. You'd take four points, wouldn't you? Oh, bite your hand off for four points. Four, 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 yeah. four, four points, you know. These are two teams who are now who are currently promotion rivals. Mm. I think we'll probably talk about Lincoln in a second, Michael Appleton. Yeah. But these are currently promotion rivals. And obviously, you don't want to lose against them. But to take four points from both would be really, really good. It's difficult these days with the home and away situation, isn't it? Because it's it's not like, oh, yeah, you know, it's... You go to Gillingham and win at Gillingham. That's a good, you know, a difficult place to go. Well, not at the moment. It's not. No. All you can no. all you can hear at Gillingham is is them playing crowd noise. You know, it, <laughs> it, it's, there's no intimidation factor and things like that. No. So it, so it, and Pompey suddenly got last year they had a poor railway record. Suddenly it looks very good. Um. So that's not quite the same. So my point is, you know, it could be a a point at Lincoln or three points at Lincoln. Pompey four points for Pompey would be very good. Brilliant. Okay, well, let, well, let's talk about. I mean, we got Charlton Saturday, but um, a, a tough challenge there. But um, yeah, Link, Lincoln next Tuesday. I mean, that before we do our next podcast, um, that game would have come round. So, Appy, yes, yeah, so Michael Appleton, they got those those imps firing, seven wins and a draw and a defeat from the first nine. And uh, Kenny Jack talking about the league taking shape, which it has done. The the couple of anomalies probably. Certainly, Oxford are struggling down at the wrong end, and he wouldn't necessarily thought that. But certainly, one of the biggest ones is Lincoln at the top of the table, isn't it? Who would have saw that coming uh, after this stage of the season? Yeah, happy, great bloke, Michael Appleton. He was, um, for me, had the hardest job of perhaps any probably manager in history, really. Ooh. I know it's quite a bold claim, but it's a bold claim, but it's up there, isn't it? Certainly. Well, he had to, you know, he had the mess of the club, the club collapsing into administration when he was there, wasn't it? And then Shamrise sniffing round and, um, and oh, he had a torrid, torrid time. And uh, I'm going to give you a little plug. I've got, he's got his own chapter in a book I've got out in December talking about <laughs> his, time, his time at Pompey. He'd say he's got so much affection for the club as well, Mark Lapton. He'd love to be back one day. He probably won't admit it publicly, but he would love to be back one day. Um, but uh, but yeah, he um, he, he had such a horrible time at Pompey with everything going on, and it, it got too much for him in the end. In the end, he was he was coaching um, the team in the morning, 
then had yeah. to go to Fratton Park to see Trevor Birch and try and sell the club to prospective owners. And he said it just got ridiculous. He was doing that practically every day, trying to sell the club to people. And he was a football manager and it got on top of him and he left. And you, you could criticise... The man of the exit. Is, yeah, is and, decision and the, the clubs he chose. Yeah. Um, but he did a really good job at Oxford. Again, left that to be assistant manager at Leicester, which I didn't quite understand at the time because his thought was quite high with Oxford. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing it again at, at, um, at Lincoln. And he, he needs a club to settle down at, to stay at, to, to, to do something. And he, he, they had a tremendous start to the season. Who would have thought they'd be where they are now? And as you say, seven wins and one draw out of the opening nine games. Mm. Blimey. Yeah. As I just touched on there, do you think cause he is a good guy? And to fans on the outside, I think it probably did taint him for some time, um, the, the manner of which he, he handled his exit, wasn't it? He, it was, he didn't perhaps yeah. do it in the best way. Is that something that, with hindsight, Michael Abson may, may regret a little? I think so. It was a terrible, I've described it a lot, a lot, many times, it was grubby. It was a terrible way to it. Uh, just, he just <laughs> left in the middle of the night, effectively. He didn't <laughs> tell his coaching staff, did he? He just got <laughs> um, um, But um, oh, he took, obviously, Ashley Westwood with him. But uh, yeah, it, I think he does. I think I think it just got too much for him. The whole situation mm. at Fratton Park, and um, he'd been ground down by it for a year. He, he arrived when with great promises of a new training training ground, new ground, everything like that. Um, obviously, Duboff and Antonov were there, and then within weeks, it just collapsed, didn't it? Yeah. And then yeah. that summer, Chamroy wanted said he wanted the club and gave him a budget, and then slashed it by. By half or whatever, didn't he? And that's right. Oh. I remember that. I remember the speech in the, the Bournemouth game, and he was given certain promises of Bournemouth the first game of that season and the post match. And I think it's kind of he was promised a four and a half, five million pound budget, something. And I said, would, would, You know, how would you do with that? And he, he said, Well, that kind of budget, I'd get this team out of the division, no doubt about mm. it. And then, you know, it was just the rug was continually pulled under, under, under his foot from under his feet for him, really. And, uh, he was a very confident manager, and he he knows his stuff, Michael Abson, doesn't he? And I think he, he, that's kind of been borne out, really. Isn't it? Through, through... Players liked him as well. Yeah, players really liked him. Um, I remember Jeb Wise talking about it as well, saying just what an inspiration he was. And um, yeah, and it's say he's he's one of football's good guys, lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, I think he came to Pompey at the wrong time, but let's be fair, none of us quite realised it was the wrong time until two weeks in. And no. then he was stuffed. <laughs> he was like, oh, no, what am I doing here? Uh, <laughs> you know, and then you know, people like Lampett running around saying, oh, don't worry, we're not going to go into administration, even though the parent comes in administration. And, and <clears throat> uh, there was a transfer embargo, and he wasn't told there was a transfer embargo. Um, wow. I, 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 remember there being some, I remember there being some characters, shall we say, that was purporting to be interested in, in buying football clubs. And they'd been, there was one of them sat in the office at Eastleigh when, and Appleton was trying to sell the club to him. I don't know if you know the character I'm talking about, uh, but you've had some, you did have some dealings with him over the years on, on social media, RIP. <laughs> um, and uh, he was just, and he, these are the characters that he had to deal with uh, on, a, on a sort of weekly basis, Appy. And um, he was trying, trying, trying to sell the club and when he was trying to be a football manager. It was an impossible situation, wasn't it, really? Yeah, and he, he dealt with them all. He did, I think, I think, did he, meet, he met Shamrai, of course, as well. And he, he, he dealt with all these characters, you know. Oh, dear. <laughs> but but he, he's doing a tremendous job at Lincoln. And, um, yeah, we shall see with Pompey playing them on Tuesday. 
Good stuff as ever, Neil. Thanks for joining us. That's it for the latest Pompey Talk. Uh, catch up with all these at portsmouth.co.uk and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for just £1 a month for the first three months for everything you need to know about Portsmouth and more.